Have you ever wondered what was going on between the ears of your crush? Ever wondered where things are going with the guy you're dating? Are you dissatisfied with your love life? Are you happily attached but still want to improve things? If so, you have come to the right place. I am proud to share with you that your search is over. You are now listening to What Is He Thinking? What is he thinking? What is he thinking? The Dating and Relationship Podcast for the benefit of women from the perspective of men. And now, without further ado, your host, Alexander B. Stevens. You are now listening to The Authentic Male Perspective on Dating and Relationships. Season 2, Episode 14. Episode number 36 overall. Let's get it going. What's going on? This is Alexander B. Stevens in your eardrums, once again presenting the What Is He Thinking podcast. This is the podcast where we do something that your ex-boyfriend, your closest girlfriend, and your closest guy friend just don't do. What is that? Tell you the full, unabridged, unadulterated truth from the male perspective. Welcome to the podcast that will help make your tomorrow better than your yesterday. What are we talking about this episode? Well, this is part two of our expose on Mr. Kevin R. Samuels. In this episode, we'll dig a little bit deeper into his talking points, dissect them, and let you know what advice you should use and what advice you should let go in one ear and out the other. Before we get back into our conversation, I need you to do me a favor. Go ahead, like, share, and subscribe if you're listening to us on YouTube. And if you're not, why aren't you? Check us out on YouTube. Search What Is He Thinking Podcast. Click on that red and black icon. And the rest is self-explanatory. Without any further delay, let's get back into it. Disclaimer. The episode you are listening to now and all episodes in this current series were conceived in January of 2021. Most of the recordings of this episode and all the episodes of this series were recorded the first and second week of March in 2022. All this being said, please keep in mind when listening to this episode that we will be speaking about the subject matter in present tense, not knowing that the subject matter of the episode would have passed away tragically and unexpectedly by the time the episode was actually released to the public. After this episode's recording in the month of March, the plan always was for it to be released in May and early June. So the fact that this episode is being released and the time period that it's being released has nothing to do with trying to capitalize on the unfortunate, untimely, unexpected death of Mr. Kevin R. Samuels. Myself, Alexander B. Stevens, and all of the co-hosts and guests that I've had on the show this season would like to give our condolences to the surviving family of Mr. Kevin, R. Samuels, his loved ones, and his close friends. Please bow with me for a moment of silence. Thank you. Disclaimer concluded. All right, we're back. We're back. A week later, I'm still here with Mr. S.W. And we're talking Kevin Samuels and his talking points and what we feel about them. Let's get into it. 
people might not know this, but Kevin Samuels started off on YouTube basically with fashion and fragrance. And then he was doing fashion fragrance and talking to men and kind of like trying to advise young men. And only two years ago, spring of 2020, actually, did he really start bringing on women to talk to them. So some of the things that he said before 2020 and even some of the things he has said since then, because occasionally he still has men's week. Some of the advice he gives to men basically is men in their 20s should work 60 hours per week minimum. Otherwise, they're being lazy. <laughs> Ooh. Men in their 20s should try different things out. If you're not failing at something, you're not trying. You're not being adventurous and ambitious enough. So what do you feel about those two statements? Men in their 20s should work at least 60 hours a week. If you can't work 60 hours at one job, you should get another. You should be grinded. And then men in their 20s, that's the time to try out new things. That's the time to switch careers. That's the time to fail if you are going to fail because you can't afford to fail after your 30th birthday. Yeah, you're right, Alexander. When it comes to them 60 hours a week in my 20s, I didn't put in that kind of time. Mm. But I didn't really catch that wave to start really seeing some fruits of my labor until I was like 28. So I kind of understand where it comes from. But 60 hours a week? Nah, I wasn't doing that. And I worked in sales and I wasn't putting in 60 hours a week. So when he says that, if you're a workaholic and you're the overachiever, I could see that being something, but I didn't do it. But again, I didn't really start catching that wave of just getting it and getting my feet underneath me until I was 28. So that's basically knocking on the door of being 30 and out of my 20s. So I would, for the most part, probably be one that was like, nah, I didn't do it. I didn't work 60 hours a week. I tried to take some risk, but again, I didn't really start making no money till 28. So 20 to 27, I was barely getting it, making $14 an hour, barely making it. Mm, yeah. I was just living day by day, living in a room in a place. That's how I was. Yeah, I definitely was not working 60 hours a week in my 20s. <laughs> I was struggling with that, the 40 hours, <laughs> yeah. especially after you used to go into class for only 15 hours a week in college and then maybe studying for another 10 to 15 hours a week. And then you have a bunch of free time to jack around. Exactly. I definitely wasn't working 60 hours a week. I remember maybe my first full year of working a real job. It was around March and I was kind of looking around like, damn, I'm not going to get a spring break. <laughs> you don't <laughs> exactly. get a spring break from the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, that's a spring break around where you get done with finals. And in Christmas time, you have to take 30 days off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't none of that. You're lucky if you get a week. Exactly. So yeah, I definitely didn't do it. And as far as coming into my own, I probably was 31 before I truly came to my own and made real money. Well, on second thought, I made some real money around 27, but had tough times at 29 and then bounced back at 31. Yeah. But uh, as far as his advice, I think it's good advice. He's basically saying to grind and hard work pays off and to grind. And I can't ever say that's bad advice. A lot of men get distracted with women and nonsense in their 20s. And you can't really afford to do that if you're grinding 60 hours a week. Exactly. So I kind of understand what he's saying, especially once we go into some of his other talking points. It kind of goes together. So I feel like it's good advice that most people don't take or we're too late to use it. We're past our 20s before Kevin Samuels was saying anything, but... To me, Kevin Samuels is a very, what they call it, what, type A personality. 
Yeah. That stern go-getter, most people just aren't like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. most people will do enough or maybe go a little bit above and beyond. Kevin Samuels is a very strong type A. Like, if he wasn't trying to be number one at all times, then he was listening to him at times. He didn't know how to really, truly be an actual worker because he felt like he needed to be the number one all the time. And he expected everyone to be like that. Yeah. And in the real world, most folks just isn't like that. No, that's true. That's true. Another thing Kevin says, he basically said the way society is now and because most women seem to want high earning men because of how the court systems are they're kind of jaded against men when it comes to divorce and things of that nature. And based off of his previous bit of advice, he basically says men should not marry unless they are high value or Henry's high earner, not rich yet. And they shouldn't marry unless they're over the age of 35. Right. So you're spending your 20s building yourself up and trying to become a high value man or at least a high earner and figuring out women, things of that nature in your early 30s. And then you should not marry until you are at least 35. What do I think about that? Well, based on my Christian upbringing and things of that nature, (laughs) if you're not getting married till 35, then you're probably spending 20 years dibbling and dabbling and (laughs) doing things that, that go against the Christianity. But if you take that out of the mix, I don't know if I'd say 35, I probably would say 32. Uh-huh. But I would say that men in their 20s probably shouldn't get married because you're either too immature or your money isn't right or you haven't sown all your wild oats and gotten that all out your system. So when I watch sports and I see famous athletes or whatever getting married when they're like 25 or 26, I'm kind of like, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so you can cheat and get left or, or break up your relationship like Carmelo Anthony and Lala or something like that. Like, why are you getting married in your 20s? This makes no sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> act a fool, turn 32, 33, 35, then get married is what I think. But hey, I don't know. What do you think? 35, because I'm right around that age right now. I say take it back maybe two years, 33. I think 32, 33, looking at myself and my journey through corporate 33, if you are a person who is not going to be moving much more, I think 32, 33, that gives you about 10 years in the professional world. You've been around the block a couple times or two. And if you are in a city that you know you want to kind of settle at, I would say 32, but 35 is a good solid number. But I just say take it back a couple more years because we generally want to be around people, I say, who are no more than maybe three or four years older than us and maybe three or four years younger than us. Mm -hmm. So if you're like 32, 33, that puts you at going up as high as 35, 36 or as low as 28. 29. Yep, I hear you on that. So you would bring it down to about 32, kind of like me. That makes sense. Okay, let's transition away from the advice that Kevin Samuels was giving to men, and let's shift back to the advice that he would give to women. More specifically, let's focus in on the point in which his channel exploded in popularity. The video that made him blow up and go viral and turned him from an 80,000 followers on YouTube to 1.4 million a year and a half later was the average at best viral conversation. Oh, oh, average at best. How did you feel about that conversation? The average at best conversation. That's the one that hooked you, right? Yeah, that was the one that hooked Because I was already listening to him nine months before. Anyway, talk to us about average at best. Average at best. I mean, she brought it on herself. Mm. I mean, like he said, 
that was not a night that was for, I guess, getting evaluation or getting a relationship advice. No, that wasn't the night for it. And I mean, she brought it upon herself. I mean, he wasn't trying to go down that road. He was being very, what's the word I'm looking for? He was very courteous mm-hmm. to her. Was He was basically trying to lead her out of it. <laughs> but she wanted to keep going. And he just, oh, he said, okay, all right, let's go with it. And she bit off more than she could chew. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings, bit off more than she could chew. Uh, yeah, so basically this was an individual, a woman who was mediocre at best looking. And she rated herself average. She said she was like a five or six. Yep. She was a single mother. She didn't have a college degree, but she had a dog pet grooming business that yep. earned her like $9,000 a month or something like that. So she was a high earner. Oh, that was the actual number? Nice. So she was a high earner, especially for a woman. And she was like, I'm looking for, I want a guy on my level because typically high earning women want high earning men. Right. But men don't really date based on a woman's pocketbook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. You being a high earning woman doesn't mean you're a, a top 10% woman to most men. You know what I mean? Exactly. So he basically told her that and people didn't like it. But basically, one of his points with her, and then there was a girl that was probably four months before that was just talking about her PhD and what she's doing with her education and. She wouldn't choose to be married to somebody that isn't like this or that because I'm a PhD, this and that. Basically, he tells both these women that men don't care about your money or your education level. At least they don't care that much when it comes to picking a potential girlfriend or spouse. Like the other things that were listed come before how much money you make or if you're a PhD. Do you agree, disagree with that? I agree. But again, he focuses it on specifically the high value man. I think the high value man doesn't really care so much about income from a woman, but I think everybody else does. Um, I mean, because let's be real, the rest of us in this world, especially if you live in high cost areas, most folks are not going to be able to just, most ladies are not going to be able to be stay at home moms. Even if you are, let's just say not a high value man, but a man that makes 90 grand a year and you live in Dallas. And you find a wife, she's probably not, she's not going to be able to just stay at home. Because if you're spending X amount of dollars, $400,000 on a house, a couple car notes, mm-hmm. that $90,000 a year minus taxes, that's going to be gone very quickly. Mm. So basically, it's like an inverse relationship. The more money he makes, the less he cares what you make. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So I'll hear that. What about education? I know that sometimes linked to money, but sometimes not. Oh, she has a PhD. She's better than this woman that only has a bachelor's or you looking at the personality and everything else before. I'm looking more at the personality. If you've got a really high, really advanced degree, those ladies tend to really want to be very intellectual. And I think they really have a tendency to really pull away from the ability to have a functional relationship Mm. because they're going to view themselves and they're going to have done, for example, if they got a master's, they're going to be like, well, I've done my thesis, whatever. I did a PhD or if they're higher than that, they did a PhD program. They're going to feel like they've done more work and their vocabularies more than likely has gotten wider. And so they have a tendency at times when they get a little upset to try and belittle you by trying to speak above you. Mm. So um, I think ladies who may basically have a bachelor's degree or less and have good common sense, that's about good enough for me. That's your sweet spot? Yeah, that's my sweet spot. I hear you on that. What else does Kevin say about women, education and jobs and money? He doesn't exactly say this, but he basically says 
As a woman, if you do not want to pay for at least one third of the bills for a lifetime, then your job slash career doesn't really matter because too much of the burden is going to be on the man and you're going to be in and out, you know what I'm saying? Or you're not going to be using your money to help the family. So that little 20% or whatever that you want to contribute because you don't want to have that type of responsibility doesn't really matter. Right. What else does he say? Most women have jobs, not careers. Right. And I would say most people have jobs, not careers. So I wouldn't just say... Yeah, most people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would just say that it's just women. So, of course, I agree with that. He says that on average, women typically get useless degrees and work in low-paying fields by choice. They're not in the engineering. Usually women that make money are maybe lawyers or like nurses. Yeah. But as far as doctors or engineers or high-end business... That's typically not the degrees that they're after. Therefore, they don't get those type of salaries. Right. Would you agree or disagree with any of the three or four points I just made? No, I agree. Those really technical, heavy careers. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of women in those. Like I said, the STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, you really don't see women in a lot of those, especially in like your engineering and tech world. But I agree. You will see women mostly in the legal field. You see them in the healthcare field. And some of those areas within those fields are very high earning. So, Mm -hmm. but again, those are very niche jobs within those fields. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Another Kevin Samuels talking point, talking to women now, basically, but I guess this could apply to anyone, but specifically women. If you don't make at least $75,000 annually and properly save for retirement, not getting married is not an option (laughs) unless you want to be homeless, live with your parents, live in a shelter or live with a pack of other women when you're elderly. And he basically says less than 10% of women make over 75,000. So the vast majority of women just on a financial basis need marriage and don't realize they need marriage. And by the time they realize that they want it or need it, it's probably too late for them as far as their marketability on the dating market. But if you're not a high earning woman, you need the money and the coverage. You need a man, basically. How do you feel about that? From a purely from a financial standpoint, I do agree because if you don't have several millions of dollars, I think it's maybe two million bucks by age 65, I mean, you're going to be cutting it close. And that's being consistently like contributing. I think that a lot of ladies at times don't realize that they may, let's say, get in a corporate job, they make 60 grand a year, and they put on the standard 3% contribution rate, and they may be on it for several years or maybe 5%, not realizing that. That's still not enough money to truly hit those goals. You have to be contributing well over a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month to that and doing it for decades. Yes. Not just year one and two, I'm at three or four percent. Year by year five, I'm at seven percent. Year 10, now I'm at 15 percent. No, you have to be year one, 10, 15 percent, constantly increasing every year for the next three decades. Yes, yes, for sure. This isn't a Kevin Samuels thing, but just some of my own uh, research when it comes to retirement and, and finances and whatnot. Most well-known financial advisors would advise that you save at least 15% of your income per year if you want to get where you need to go. Right. You have to do this for at least 20 years if you want to get the two or three million that you need to 
have a high standard of living when you're elderly or to have enough money to get to put yourself in a home and not stress your whole family when they're trying to put you in a home and things of that nature. So, yeah, yeah, basically, if you're making less than seventy five thousand, you can't afford (laughs) you can't afford to put 15 percent in savings for retirement, especially if you have kids and and you're trying to do all this traveling that most women talk about all of the time. Like I swear, everybody's Carmen Sandiego on Instagram because they're (laughs) in a different city every month. And I'm like, how can you afford this? And when I make more than you. But anyway, yeah. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, they have to be doing that like consistently. So 15 years in, if they decide to get married and they have a kid, they still have to do that while having a child and take care of them as well. Yes. It can't just stop. It has to continue. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And the thing is, getting married, it's not just about him making more money than you and him being able to offset some of your expenses. Of course, that's part of it. But the other thing is basically having a roommate, period, decreases your living expenses about 10 to 25 percent. So, of course, in a romantic situation, a roommate is going to be a husband or it's going to be a common law husband. You know what I mean? And (laughs) the cost for you to exist is now 20 percent less than if you were out here alone. So you're making money by saving money, basically, because it's two people in that two bedroom apartment or that house and not just you by yourself. You know what I mean? So this is common sense. But, you know, the groceries get cheaper per person, the more people you're feeding. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if it's uh, $300 a month for groceries for an individual, if they cooked every meal at home, if you have two people, oh, it's $400. You got three people, it's 450 Like it doesn't go up $300 each person because buying things in bulk and things of that nature, the price goes down. Now, this isn't a financial <laughs> podcast, but that's just some of the stuff he's implicitly talking about yeah. when he talks about if you're not a high earning woman, you need a man, basically. Yeah, because that's the real life, everyday things, the real life stuff. For sure, for sure. All right. The last thing on this little subject matter is basically if a woman wants to get married and be a stay at home wife or she wants to get married and contribute less than a third of the overall household bills, then what's the point of getting in a bunch of student loan debt? What's the point of being career oriented and overly focused on your job? What's the point of all this, especially if you don't know or don't want to learn the basic life skills of cooking and cleaning and nurturing? If your goal is to be a stay-at-home wife, why are you not learning stay-at-home wife skills? And why are you getting in $100,000 worth of debt to get a degree, to get a job that you're looking forward to quitting in five years? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense is one of the points he makes. Would you agree with that? I agree. I think that our young ladies were raised to believe, were raised to say, you need to go to college. And I think Kevin says it a lot, that that's rooted in fear. And I think it's that fear of, okay, They didn't really learn how to be in a relationship. So their mothers were like, go to school. Their mothers didn't have a good solid relationship. So their mothers were like, okay, I want you to protect yourself. So go to school, get that degree. Because at the end of the day, the fear is my daughter is not going to be able to have a successful relationship. So when her relationships fall apart, that degree will at least give her something to fall onto as opposed to if she doesn't have anything. It's that fear is, oh my God, if I lose this man, which I'm probably in my back of my mind thinking I'm going to lose. Yeah. Or in some instances, don't think I'm ever going to have, Mm. then I have to be able to support myself. I have to be able to pay these bills. I got to feed myself, got to keep a roof over my head. So it's all rooted in fear. And it all makes sense because, again, it's kind of having a mindset of coming to the table with, I hate to say it, but with like ill intent. Ill intent meaning these men out here, they're all no good. Yeah. And 
with that. That's an ill intent. So that makes them believe that for some reason, you can never trust a man. For some reason, he's never to be trusted. And because of that, you have to always look out for yourself. So it's already coming in with a jaded mindset that's as opposed to that light, loving, nurturing mindset that says, okay, I'm going to come here. I'm going to work hard at this. Mm -hmm. And with what I'm doing, this man is going to be so happy with who I am that he's never going to want to leave. So my future will be good. Instead of having a glass half empty, trying to have somewhat of a glass half full mentality. Yes. I mean, how many things in life can you go into expecting to fail and succeed? Right. (laughs) Like, it it doesn't happen. How's the saying go? Like, if you think you can, you're right. And if you think you can't, you're right. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can speak things into existence based off your mentality and your self-communication for sure. Basically, what he, Kevin, and you are kind of talking about here is something I like to call putting plan B before plan A. Right. You know what I mean? If plan A is I want to be a mother of three in a with the white picket fence, happy wife, yada, yada, yada. And plan B is, well, I got to survive out here. So let me get some job that pays 25,000 hours so I can feed myself. Like putting all the focus on the plan B and ignoring the plan A, that's kind of A comes before B. <laughs> so your focus should go toward A yeah. before it goes to B. But the thing is very backwards, very counter. <laughs> yes. The thing is focusing on B is A easier and B promoted in our culture and society and focusing on A is old fashioned and 1950s and all that. But hey, only you know what you want. And if that's what you want, you need to live your life to get what you want. That only makes sense, right? Exactly. I agree. For sure. All right, let's kind of move away from that subject and move on to a few other things or maybe more than a few other things that Kevin talks about. One of his controversial episodes, he basically says that a single woman having pets hurts her dating life. You should only get a pet after you get married and have kids because pets are for houses. Pets are for families. They're not for single people. What else do you say? Having a pet can like limit your availability as far as being out on the dating market. You're cutting dates short. You got to come home and walk the dog or things of that nature. 40% of people don't like pets or they're allergic to pets or whatever. So if you become a pet owner, you like eliminate 40% of the opposite sex because they're not into pets, et cetera, et cetera. Like he basically, and he doesn't stress this too much because it's pretty unpopular in 2022 to be anti-pet. And he doesn't claim to be anti-pet. He just says, don't get that dog, don't get that cat until after you get the relationship. What do you think about that? That's another thing I agree with. And, and I know this from experience. Yeah, an animal, especially a dog. Oh, those can be the worst. I mean, they're great to have around, but with a woman... If she has a dog, more than like she has a really strong bond relationship with the animal. I mean, that's a hurdle and that's an issue, if you ask me. From what my experience has been, they're way too attached to those dogs. Mm-hmm. Way too attached. And then like you said, I mean, you got to let them out to go poop and pee. And if they're an outdoor dog, you got to spend time with them outside. You can't just go on like vacations. They have to get a dog sitter. I mean, like... That's money. It is a hassle. It's a hurdle. And I agree. I mean... All else fails a cat because a cat, you don't have to be spending all that time with them. But a dog really takes time and it really will cut into the person's ability to start a new relationship with someone, especially if they haven't been with someone in a long time. For sure, for sure. And so if a woman didn't grow up with dogs, but she's in her mid-30s and she gets a dog, typically, in my opinion, this is one of my theories, 
this is an Alexander Beast theory. This isn't a Kevin, but they're getting that dog because women especially, but you say people in general, but women especially have a need to nurture and a need to love. Right. So from the beginning of time to like 1990, if you're a 35 year old woman, then you're going to be married with kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got people to nurture and people to love that are in your house. Right. But nowadays, just recently, for the first time ever, there are more unmarried adults than married adults. Now you have these women with this nurturing need and this need to love being unfulfilled. And instead of fixing their dating life, I can just get a dog. And now I got this companionship. I got something to nurture. I got something to love. It's like putting a Band-Aid over a gunshot wound. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're not really fixing the problem. This is just a short-term solution. Yeah. And like some of these women will get like separation anxiety from their animals. It's crazy. Yes. And it's also, I hate when people compare animals to humans, but if you take in consideration the strong attachment many single women have with their animals, it's like being a single mother. (laughs) You know what I mean? And we just talked about that. The dogs are their kids. So it's just another hurdle. Dating and relationships are hard enough. So adding hurdles, adding problems, putting shackles to your ankles before you run a race, not a good idea. (laughs) You want to do all you can do to not make difficult things more difficult. You know what I mean? And, you know, Alexander, I, I think these ladies, they especially like dogs, they use them as a close companion that will never fail them. Your dog will always listen to you. Mm hmm. They may never really upset you, but they'll never let you down. They'll never backtalk you. They'll never apply any kind of standards on you. Mm-hmm. You will have all the control all the time over them. Yeah. So I think they like that control, 100% control, no matter what. And the animal, you know, you're feeding them, housing them, they'll love you. And like I said, they'll never disappoint you. They'll never do anything to upset you. Never do anything to challenge you. So I think that it's just, it's another form of a security blanket. For sure, for sure. I was just recently talking to my fiance about just piggybacking on what you said, like the love that you get from a dog or an infant. It's like, is it love? Yes. But it doesn't compare to basically it's like shallow, mandatory love compared to the love you get from a companion is voluntary. They're old enough to have a choice. They see your weaknesses and your strengths. They decide to love you anyway. And it's a true decision. Yeah. Your dog loves you because it doesn't know anything else. <laughs> Your dog loves you because you give it everything and it's completely dependent upon you. Same with like an infant or something like it's almost not a choice. So you're comparing mandatory love to voluntarily freely given love. And it's not on the same level, but too many times one is substituted for the other. What do you think about that theory? I agree. I think a lot of it's rooted in control. With a dog, you have unchallenged control. Yeah, for sure. Control and like you kind of brought up before, it's kind of a lack of trust, Mm -hmm. which links to control. Like if you don't trust who you're with or you don't trust that you can get somebody or if you're with somebody, you don't trust them, then you don't want to submit. If you're single and you don't trust that you can get somebody or you don't trust that whoever you'll get will be good for you, then you start looking for ulterior alternatives and things of that nature. Just kind of a lack of trust and kind of going into things and poor faith, kind of like you brought up 15 minutes ago. So I hear you on that. Let's see. Another Kevin Samuels talking point is mothers lead their daughters astray. Mothers are a problem when it comes to their daughters getting married because either the mother picked the bum and model dysfunctional relationships and now the daughter doesn't want any part of it or the daughter's distrusting like we just talked about or the mother might have had a decent relationship. But what did she teach her daughter to be independent? to not need a man, to do this, to do that. Right. She didn't teach her daughter how to be in a successful relationship. Didn't teach her daughter how to cook. 
didn't do this, didn't do that. Like mothers aren't helping. They're more so hurting their daughters when it comes to them actually finding true love and getting married. How do you feel about that Kevin Samuels talking point? Either they don't teach their daughters right, or they model trash relationship <laughs> and scare the daughter from wanting to get into a relationship because all of their relationships have been dysfunctional. Do you agree or disagree with that talking point? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I agree with that talking point. But again, I think it's also rooted in fear for them as well. They know that they failed. The mother knows that they failed. And if their daughter finds a husband, somehow finds a man, now she's removed from mother because she has to remove herself from her mom to be with her husband. So now where does that leave her mother? Now mother has to potentially deal with yes. the fullness of her situation. So now if that happens, she no longer has a daughter there. She no longer has this person to speak to if they're on good terms to speak about her problems. Her daughter may be giving her some money financially, so that might go away. She might have, they might move, so that, that takes her from her ability to more easily contact her daughter. So I, I think that they kind of do that as a way to protect themselves, which is very selfish. And that's something that we need to figure out why our mothers, some feel that that's the only road to go down. When you don't get stronger and your family doesn't get better, if they're not pairing, yeah. if the men are not pairing with the women and vice versa. For sure, for sure. I couldn't say it better myself. Another Kevin Samuels Talkins point is single women keep women single. And it's kind of more the same thing, except for instead of older women in your family, it's women your own age, basically either telling you things that increase your fear or decrease your hope or their ratchet dating lives negatively influence your outlook on the dating market. Single friends keep women single. Agree or disagree, SW? I'm kind of in the middle. I can see how that does happen, but I think a person, especially a woman, if she wants a relationship, if she is well, how I consider a woman that's a mature woman, how are you going to let another person keep you from your happiness? Mm, that's a good point. So... That's why I say single does, to an extent, keep other women single, but it's going to have to come down to them, that's them, the individual person, to take some responsibility of their own lives. If you want to be happy with a man in your life, and you know that's what you see in your future, and your girlfriends want you to always hang out with them, the onus is on you to be able to say, I have a goal in my life. This is what I want to get. Doesn't make them less of a friend to women because I believe that's what they care a lot about is, well, you're not being a good friend to me. Doesn't make you less of a friend. Yes. You just have a goal that you're trying to reach. Just like that goal you put in place to graduate college, just like the goal you put in place to get that good job and your friends did the same thing. You just had goals and you created action plans to get there. So why not create action plans on how to find your husband that you want? Yep, that makes sense. I mean, it's personal accountability. Accountability was episode number one of season number two of this podcast. I mean, when things aren't going right in your life, the first person to look at yeah. is the person in the mirror. You need to ask them to change their ways. Michael Jackson, 1988. <laughs> <laughs> Another talking point. There are too many Christian feminists 
and being a Christian feminist and living by feminist ideals or pushing feminist womanist ideals goes against your faith. If you are a true Christian woman that's practicing according to the Bible, then you should know or you should believe or you should act as if you were made for a man. You're made to help a man and you're made to be a supporting character, not the main character, not a leader, not the star of the show. You're made to be a helpmate. And so women who claim to be Christian but want to be the leaders of their household or don't want to be helpmates or want to act like men are living against the Christian faith. Do you agree or disagree with that Kevin Samuels talking point? Well, I agree. The Christian feminists, I've come across those at some of the churches that I've been in. It's like, it's that strong need to feel like they want to compete with men. And they encompass that in all parts of their life. And, and like you said, in their Christian religion, that's not the way things go. Nope. And I just think it's this strong push within themselves and within feminism as a whole that says, at the end of the day, woman, you need to do this. And I just think at the, at the end of the day, it's just costing women. Kevin says it all the time. I mean, the longer you wait, ladies, the older you get, the more you get stuck in your waves, the less that you are able to get on a man's program, the less you are to cooperate. Like, that's the biggest thing as the women get older is their inability to cooperate. And yeah, so I think the Christian feminists have a real problem in front of them and they won't address it. And for that reason, a lot of them still remain single. For sure, for sure. Not all my listeners are religious or go to regular religious services, but if you do, you have noticed over the last 20 years that churches went from 55% women, 45% men, to now it's like 75, 25, 80, 20, like just a whole bunch of single women in the church. And why is this? Because many churches in America are trying to weave in American cultural norms and feminism or feminist womanist talking points into the Bible and into the religion. And men ain't for that. <laughs> so they leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. This is not biblical. Y'all are doing this to be politically correct. Y'all are doing this so you can keep getting tithes and offerings from the women. We're not about that. We're out. So that just kind of speaks to the point that you and Kevin just have made. So I hear you on that for sure. Oh, yeah. If you believe in all the tenets of womanism, feminism, modern American culture, then you can't <laughs> you can't agree with and believe in the Bible because these conflict. There's way too much conflict, in my opinion. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Another thing I think that can help to counter this is older women, their mothers who were married or who are married. Yeah. I think that they should come out, Alexander, and in a stronger force because I know that a lot of women in my family who were married or some are widowed now and some are still married to their husbands. And I would say from seeing them over the years that they are cooperative and they are submissive to their husbands. And from what I saw... Now, I don't know the inner workings, but from what I would see, the submission aspect of their relationship yeah. was just like a normal thing. It was never something that was bad. And none of the men were just like, I think a lot of these women think when they think of submission, they think that a man's going to be just borderline treating them like a slave. Yeah. And a lot of the women in my family who have been married for 20 plus years, they never felt like that. The men have never treated them like that in any situation. I've seen them in situations where they've been really hot mad. It's not like that. And I think that we need those women to come out 
And I think that they should go out and really start teaching these young girls that and show them what submission is so that they don't are not fearful that it's I'm going to be a slave. I'm not going to be able to say anything. But that's not the case at all. Not even for one minute. Not in a healthy relationship. Yeah. And the thing that is strange to me is, at least in America, 99% of weddings, these aren't arranged marriages. You get to pick the man that you get to follow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You get to pick the man you're submitting to. You know what I mean? So if you don't trust them, why are you with them? Right. If you don't trust them, why'd you pick them? If you don't trust his judgment, why? Yeah. If you think he'd be an a-hole and be a Hitler-like dictator, why are you with him again? Like, you get to choose. Yeah. Why do you even <laughs> marry him if you think like that? Like, how did marriage even get there? You get to choose the guy. You know his program, quote unquote. You know his goals, or at least you should. You should be marrying a guy based on his character, his mentality, and his leadership, and the direction he wants to take the family in. You shouldn't be marrying him just because he's 6'6 and has a nickname Tripod. Tripod? Why? Because his third leg hangs six inches from the ground. No. You need to marry a man for legitimate reasons. So if you're marrying him for reasons that are valid, why would you think he would be abusive to you if you submit it to him? I just don't fully understand that, but hey, I'm just one man. Yeah, I don't understand that either because the onus is on the older generation of ladies. They really dropped the ball. Mm. Really dropped the ball. And in this generation, they don't know. So I, I fear, Alexander, at times, what about the next generation? Because this generation don't know you know how their mindsets are. What do you think they're going to teach the next generation? I don't even want to think about it. The next generation, whew, not looking good. Anyway, SW, I feel like we've come to a good stopping point where we can wrap up part two of this series, come back next time, and talk about some of the more controversial talking points that Kevin Samuels has. Before we go, do you have any final thoughts? I think in our community, I heard another gentleman say one time in the past that once we start creating this family, we have to get to a point where we have to be okay with a certain level of living. Meaning, if dad makes 50000 and mom makes 30000 so they have a combined income of 80000 if they can afford a $200,000 home, dad has a used car, mom has a used car, they live in like that, that people have to become okay and understand and see that that type of lifestyle is a good lifestyle. I think too many of our women only want abundance. Yeah. I heard that one from, from a gentleman one time that, Instead of being okay with having your needs met, they're only okay with abundance. Meaning if mom makes 30, dad makes 50, and they have a combined income of 80, and all they can do is 200, she's not happy if she wants a $400,000 home. Mm-hmm. That's above what is okay at the time, what they can truly afford. So we've got to start addressing more mentally with our ladies that abundance that's only a very small amount of people get abundance yes but i think that's got so many of our women minds are wonky right now to think that abundance is normal like everybody can't be rich everybody can't be a one percenter like by definition only one percent are one percenters you know what i mean and 99 the rest of center people got to make it do what it do with what they got so like it's okay if you have a two hundred thousand dollar home most people don't even own homes Mm. So it's okay if you have a $200,000 home and a used Honda and a used Toyota. That's good. You're doing well. Why do you think in your mind that you need to have a $400,000 home 
and a new BMW and a new Yukon mm. in the driveway. Only drive one of those cars at a time. <laughs> you can only be in one room at one time. Why you need a seven bedroom house? Exactly. You don't even have kids. You know what I mean? So yeah, like not accepting your lot in life, not accepting that being middle class is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not accepting that being in a loving household is more valuable than money anyway. Right. Not acknowledging these things just hurts yourself in the long run, right? Right. I agree. I hear you on that. Well, we're going to pause the discussion right here and pick it back up next week. Peace. But you know how we do it. Before we go, I just want to recap the Kevin Samuels talking points that we mentioned in this episode. We started off talking about the KS talking points and advice that he gives to men. He basically tells men in their 20s they need to be working 60 hours a week unless they're lazy. Your 20s is the time period in which you try things out, be adventurous, fail, and figure things out because you can't afford to do these things later on in life. Next, Kevin advises young men that they shouldn't really think about getting married until they are well-established and 35 years old. Me and SW basically agreed with the advice that he gave to the men, but we both admitted that we weren't working 60 hours when we were in our 20s, and 35 might be a little bit late. It should probably be closer to 30, but 35 isn't bad advice. Then we transitioned and started talking about the viral video that Kevin Samuels had during the winter of 2020, which caused him to blow up. Basically, SW and I agreed with uh, his treatment of the caller. We didn't understand why it was controversial, and we understood the points he was trying to make in that call. What were some of those points? Well, the first point basically is being a high earner as a woman doesn't do the same thing for you on the dating marketplace as being a high earner as a man does. Men, especially high earning men, do not really care about how much money a woman brings to the table. So you're not looking for somebody on your level if you're a high earning woman because your level isn't determined by your salary. Me and SW slightly disagreed on this point. SW emphasized that high value and high earning men don't care about a woman's salary, but basically all other men do. While I feel like any man that's above average doesn't care about a woman's salary, and even average men only care about it a little bit. Next point Kevin made was, if a woman doesn't want to pay at least one third of the bills, her job doesn't really matter at all. So why is she breaking her neck or putting such a high priority on a career that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, at least when it comes to a relationship and a family? Furthermore, Kevin also says that most women, really most people in general, don't have careers, they have jobs. So you shouldn't let a job negatively affect your love life. Why do most women have jobs and not careers, or at least well-paying careers? Well, that is because most women get quote-unquote useless degrees in low-paying fields that don't really help them get high-earning jobs. Along the same lines of education and jobs, Mr. Samuels also says that if a woman wants to be a stay-at-home wife and not have her money be relied upon to take care of the bills, then why go into crazy college debt to get a degree? Why not learn homemaking and domestic-related skills? Because those are the ones that you will actually be using if you end up living the type of life that you want to live. 
the next talking point we discussed is Kevin basically goes down the logic rabbit hole and explains to women that if they don't make at least $75,000 a year in their job, that basically getting married, finding a man to settle down with really isn't an option. It's mandatory if you don't want to be in trouble when it comes time to retire. If you don't want to be a drag on your kids, having your kids taking care of you. If you don't want to be a leech on the state. If you don't want to be homeless, then if you're not a high earning woman, and 85 to 90% of women aren't, according to Kevin, then your best bet from a financial what will happen to me when I get old standpoint is to get married. Moving away from the education and job theme and moving more towards dating advice, Kevin suggests and advises women to not get a pet or not have a pet while they are unmarried and single. He thinks that pets are for families and belong in backyards of houses, not necessarily cooped up in apartments. And he also feels like pets are a distraction and can cause a problem when it comes to a woman dating and searching for a mate. This is a very politically incorrect stance of his, but SW and I completely agree with it. One of the last points we discussed today was the fact that Kevin thinks mothers do no favors for their daughters when it comes to them finding love. And actually, many mothers are an obstacle that a woman has to overcome if she wants to have a successful love life. Not only does Kevin say that some mothers are an obstacle, but he also says that single women keep women single. And the reason he talks about mothers and friends being an obstacle for the single woman is basically because of the bad advice they give, the bad modeling and the bad examples, and some of the jargon and destructive ideals that they put in the head of the single woman searching for love. Finally, the last topic we discussed today on part two of Kevin Samuels Examined was Christian feminists. Long story short, basically, Kevin feels like way too many Christian women believe in feminist values and dogma. Basically, Kevin thinks way too many Christian women are feminists. And they truly, deep down, believe in feminism and the principles therein more than they believe in the actual concepts and principles of the Bible. Well, Kevin thinks, and SW and I agree, that many feminist principles are in direct contradiction to the Bible and Christianity. So it makes no sense to be a Christian feminist. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to having a successful love life. And you're violating your own religion by living a life according to principles that are in contradiction to Christianity. Well, that just about wraps it up for this episode. What are my thoughts on Kevin's talking points? Well, for the second episode in a row, I think he's making a whole lot of logical sense. Well, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you guys to come back next week and listen to the final edition of this Kevin Samuel series where we talk about some of Kevin Samuel's talking points that are controversial and that we don't agree with. That should be a fun discussion that you don't want to miss. Once again, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe before you end this podcast. I need you to help me grow the show. Alexander B. Stevens, out. Well, that wraps up this episode of the podcast. Alexander B. thanks you for taking time out of your day to listen to what he has to say. Hopefully, you feel the information shared today has helped you get one step closer to understanding men and one step closer to the type of relationship you have always dreamed of. 
If this episode spoke to you or you indeed felt that it was helpful, please share it with your friends and followers on social media and text the link to the episode to your inner circle of friends. If you have a future topic suggestion or need any clarification about anything that was shared during this episode, feel free to email the show at whatizhethinking at gmail.com or follow and DM the show on Instagram at whatizhethinking underscore podcast. Be clear and concise with your message and Mr. Stevens will do his best to accommodate you. Once again, we appreciate you lending us a listening ear and we hope your tomorrow is better than your yesterday. Enjoy the rest of your week. The podcast that is here to help you win with men. Signing off. Until we speak again.